How y'all doing? <clears throat> good, good. Awesome. Glad to be here this morning with you guys. Um, as Megan said, my name is Mark Speeder, uh, lead pastor here. And man, the heartbeat of our church is that we want to love God, and we want to love people, and we want to take that love out wherever we go. You know, we want to keep the main things the main thing, loving Jesus, loving people, and then taking that love out wherever we go. So, that, so that's the heartbeat of our church. We are continuing and finishing this week. Uh, you got something fun in the store next week. Um, for World Mandate Weekend. We will be here on Sunday, so see you then. we got something fun in store. But we are finishing our Good News series, and um, I want to start, for those of you guys who, who might be familiar, uh, my wife and I and a few people moved from Texas to start the church uh, about seven and a half, eight years ago, so Megan and then Brandon not long after were around towards the beginning. Uh, but I, if, if some of you guys are familiar with the Fixer Upper Magnolia craze, Chip and Joanna Gaines, I know some of you guys are familiar with that. Um, my wife and I had the unique opportunity to kind of see some of that story uh, up close and personal and track with it. Um, you may not know, Chip and Joanna um, have been long-term members of Antioch there in Texas. And um, so not only known them not super well, but knowing them over many years. And the, the funny thing is we actually not only have known them, but we know many of the, the houses that were flipped uh, and many of the people that uh, the houses were flipped for. So it's been kind of funny to, to watch some of the shows. Like, I know that person. I know that house. I know that neighborhood. You know, whatever. Uh, I've, yeah, anyways. So, uh, but... Uh, it, it's been fun to watch. Here's a few pictures of some houses that have been uh, restored. So some interesting before and afters there, you know, looking a little bit different. Uh, if you want to go to the next one, uh, here's another example of a house flipped. Um, you can go to the last one. Thank you, Alex. So I actually lived next to this house. Well, it looked like the one on the left. Did not live in it, but I did live next to it. In fact, when I moved to the house next to it, it was a crack house that we came and remodeled. And uh, so there's like stuff all over the wall. It was an interesting house to live in. I'll just say that. There are cockroaches everywhere. My roommate woke up with a cockroach in his forehead and slapped it in the middle of the night and it was splattered all over. It was wild. So this is actually, um, the picture on the left, that's actually way better than it was. Uh, when we lived next to it, there's trees everywhere, and there's like old beat up cars in the yard. It was like a haunted house. Like literally, like, like oh, it's creepy, you know? Uh, so uh, anyway, so that's one of the first houses they flipped. And actually a couple summers ago, I and a few members from our staff here stayed in the house on the right. It's the same house. Stayed in the house after it was done. Uh, no one was in the house on the left. But um, so it was an interesting ride. But, you know, it's, it's been interesting to see the journey from Chip and John. That's really kind of who they are. They're just kind of goofy and fun and love Jesus and love people. And, but it's been interesting to see how the show just took off. You know, like from, oh, we're, we're going to try something on HGTV and just all of a sudden, now I'm like seeing their pictures on magazines at the stand when I'm, you know, at the check-in aisle uh, or checkout aisle at the grocery store or whatever. It's an interesting to see how it took off. And, you know, I, I think one of the reasons is because we love stories of restoration. Does anyone love a good story of restoration? You know, something that, that was like, man, that, that was nasty and that's beautiful now, right? Whether it is... Um, 
a, a house, whether it is a sports team that was the underdog that all of a sudden came out of the blue and is having an awesome season, right? Or whether that is uh, people's lives. There's something in us that is hardwired to love stories of restoration. We love to um, something that seems Im- become beautiful. We love to see um, something that seems impossible and someone or something step in and be able to see the beauty in the mess and create order out of chaos. We love stories of that. And I think that's because we're hardwired by God to love stories of it. Because you see, that's what he does in our lives. And so when we look around at a world that is divided, at a world that is hurting, at a world that is stone-throwing at one another, at a world uh, filled with anxiety more than ever, at a world filled with sickness and generational struggles, and a world that honestly feels less and less hopeful, seemingly, by not only the election cycle, but by the week. You know, it's just like, oh man, it's just like, Year after year after year, uh, it brings a real question. Is there hope for real lasting change in our world? Is there hope that a heart can be transformed? Is there hope that people on two different sides of the aisles can walk closely with one another and be reconciled? Is there hope that trauma can be healed? Is there hope that we can be free from the past? Is there hope that real forgiveness can happen instead of just throwing a stone? Is there hope that we can be truly free from sin? Is there hope that the divine of God can intersect our natural brokenness in our own lives and bring transformation? And so often as Christians, we go through the motions of reading the Bible and going to church, and we often leave as unchanged as we came. But I've got good news to us. I've got really good news for us. And I want to look back in our text in Luke chapter 4 and just lift up who our Savior is again Luke chapter 4, this is, I, I, this is Jesus quoting Isaiah 61. When he started his ministry, this is kind of, as Joel said a couple weeks ago, this is his mission statement. This is what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, let's read this together, to proclaim good news to the poor. Let's hear your beautiful voices. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm having you guys read this because, church, I want us to believe who he is. Do we believe this? Do we believe this is who he is? Do we believe he set captives free? He heals the sick? Do we believe he, he proclaims liberty? Do, do we believe his message is, man, favor for those of us that don't deserve it? I'm having us read this out loud because I want us to believe this is who our God is. We don't just come sing songs and go through the motions so that we can get to the message. We come and sing and we clap and sometimes dance and we get on our knees sometimes because this is who he is, right? We can get excited about that. Also, I'm having us read it out loud because this is our calling as a church. 
If this is the mission of Jesus, then guess what ours is? To bring freedom for the captives. To set people free. To bring healing. To bring restoration. To bring sight to the blind. To bring hope to the hopeless. And to proclaim in the midst of a hurting world the favor of God to people who don't deserve it like you and me. And this is not only our church's calling, this is your calling. If this is your Lord and Savior's calling, then you and I have a part to play in it. Because you see, the one who this spoke about now lives, if you are a follower of Jesus, lives in you and I. You're called to set captives free. You're called to see God's supernatural power move through your life. You're called to bring hope to the hurting, to bring sight to the blind, to bring freedom to those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus, called, Jesus came to set captives free and bring restoration. And as he does it in your life, guess what you can do? You can turn around and bring that to other people, even if you're still very much in process, just like me. And so today, I want to help us understand, number one, why is it that we struggle with sin, pain, and trauma? We can have all the right beliefs, but our actions still struggle. Why is it a struggle that we struggle in this world, right? And I think there's something right that we're paying more attention to trauma than ever. We're paying more attention to emotions as a culture than ever. I think there's something redemptive in that. But why do we still struggle with that? Number two, why does it seem that Christians go to church week in and week out in the body of Christ and leave untransformed, right? I want to talk about that today. Thirdly, I want to talk about why is it that the gospel of Jesus Christ is different than any other religion or any other self-help? Why is it different? There's a lot of good tools out there, some that even have some truth in them, but why is the gospel, which means good news of Jesus, really better news than anything else that's out there? Talking about how God created humans. <coughs> and to help us understand that, I want to start by talking about how God created human beings to be so we can kind of understand how we're made as people. So God made creation, he made humanity, and after he made it, he stepped back and said, Oh man, what did I do? No, he didn't say that. No, you're like, what? This is pastor's weird. Uh, it's not in the Bible. Uh, uh, no, no, he, he stepped back and he said, it's good. You see, I think when we think about the story of God, we often start with sin. But before sin was God's creation. And he made you and me and it's good. So when we think about things like our emotions or our sexuality, we often think it's bad. But before it struggled, it was good. Every part of who God made you to be and your creation, apart from sin, is good. Your mind, your emotions, your sexuality, your will, who you are, your personality, God made you unlike anyone else. And guess what he said when he saw you? It's good. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's good. <laughs> That's right. Um, so the human person is complex. This is like one of the reasons that I, I believe God's real. I mean, it's like you can't make an explosion happen and then the eyeball comes out. You know, it's like, that's like saying I'm going to put a bomb in a junkyard and the neighborhood's going to come out. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't work like that. The human body is so complex, science completely points us to a creator. Okay, so um, I want to help us understand there's numerous parts of the human being. If we can get up that circle graphic, 
Okay, so we as human beings are made to have a vital living and breathing connection with God. In fact, we're created to have God living in our very being. That's the Holy Spirit. When we walk with God and we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, and our connection with God is restored. And so we are made to have a vital living and breathing daily connection with God. Okay? And out of that, then we have the human spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, then we have the human spirit of the soul. The Bible uh, often talks about it, the Hebrew concept of heart. It's kind of like our, it's not our, our flesh and blood heart, but the Hebrew concept of heart is like, it's our very essence, our being, it's our thoughts, it's our emotions. And so we have, that makes up our soul, our spirit, is the mind. It's the thoughts we believe, not just our theology that we believe if someone asks, we say, Jesus, is always the right answer. No, it's what do you actually think about yourself? When push comes to shove, when you're struggling, when you're down on yourself, what are the thoughts, what's the narratives inside your head about, about man, good and bad, what's the narratives inside your head about God, about your existence, about man, I'm great, or I stink, or whatever. It's, it's the summation of our thoughts. It's also our emotions that we experience. Now, oftentimes in the church, unfortunately, we seem to think that faith has nothing to do with emotions, but God likes emotions. Now, emotions aren't God, but we also don't throw them out in the church, right? So, so we, we do emotions here. We talk about emotions, you know? Uh, and so God made emotions, and God's an emotional God, or made in his image. So emotions aren't bad, they're often an indicator of what's going on inside of us. So to understand the human person, we need to understand emotions. And lastly, will. It's the summation of our, 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 what, our, what our wanter is, what we want and what we, what we hope and dream for, okay? So, and then out of that is the human body. <clears throat> and so how God designed this to connect is that we would have the life of Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, etc., living in our inside of us. And then that would influence our human spirit. <clears throat> that that would influence our, our emotions. That that would guide our that truth would guide our thoughts. And then that would shape our desires and our will. And then how God made the human body is amazing. Now, we got doctors in here, so if you, you know, technically you can ask them. But is that our human spirit, our soul, interfaces with our body? Have you ever noticed that when you're anxious, it comes out in your body? Have you ever noticed that when you're happy, it comes out in your body? Have you ever noticed that when you're fearful, your adrenaline goes up? That's because God made it all connected together uh, and that what you're feeling or what's going on inside of you will help shape your body's experience for good and bad. And some of that's how God designed it so that you could meet the challenges of life. If you're being chased by a bear, your adrenaline's supposed to go up, right? If you think you're being chased by a bear because you're insecure all the time, your adrenaline's not supposed to go up because we're believing a lot, right? So you see how it's all connected? Okay, y'all tracking? Okay, just trying to help us have a... Good worldview here, creation. Then this thing happened in, in Genesis chapter 3 called sin, right? The fall we talk about. And so uh, Joel had a great analogy a couple weeks ago that I couldn't come up with a better one, so I'm just going to lean into you, bro. Uh, so he talked about, you know, sin, when we live uh, because of the fall, it's like having a phone, right? If we're, if we're not living with God and we don't have a life in God, 
It's not that we can't function at all, but it's like having a phone that has battery, but it has no connection. It doesn't work 100 us to have. We just can't do certain things that we don't work properly. We don't have the connectivity we're supposed to have. We just can't do certain things that we'd hope to do, right? So life apart from God, it goes on. We still have some functionality. There might be some good things that still happen, but we're not made to live like that. So what happens, right, according to our passage in Luke chapter 4, because of sin, we become spiritually poor. Because of sin, we become captive. We become captive to sin. We become captive to our fears. We become captive to lies about ourselves and God and others. We become captive to self-hatred, right? We become blind. We become spiritually and emotionally blind. We can't discern right from wrong and what's good for us and not, and so we make bad choices. We might even become, we talk about blind, we might become physically ill as well. We become oppressed. Sin oppresses our thoughts and our emotions. So what this is talking about in Luke chapter 4 is acknowledging sin has entered the world and we live in a fallen world, okay? And so how does that play out with our circle diagram? <clears throat> um, it means that our relationship with God is broken, so our source is cut off. You ever been using a hose and you're walking along with a hose and all of a sudden there's no more water? What happened? It's not that the city shut your water off. It's you got a kink in your hose. It's, you know, and so the water cannot flow. So if we don't have God and a vibrant connection with God and we're not walking with God at all, then, man, we're missing our very source of life. Well, then how does that play out we're left to fend for ourselves as human beings, to rely on our personality, our own willpower, our own strength, our own winsomeness and attractive good looks to win the day, right? <clears throat> so in our mind, what happens because of the fall is we start to believe lies about God, about ourselves. And we form narratives about ourselves and about God and about other people and about our life and about the meaning of life and our calling. We form narratives that sometimes are helpful, but oftentimes are hurtful and oftentimes are a coping mechanism. Emotions, right? Anyone have wacky emotions? I do sometimes, right? Some of that is the flaw, right? Some of that's our own. It's, it's oftentimes because we got lies going on, and so we got fear and anxiety. Like, it's, like I said before, anxiety is statistically at an all-time high right now. Um, there's, there's a lot going on in our world. And, so, and then our will. And what happens because our primary needs of being loved and accepted and having a purpose are not being met, what happens is we start to go to try to meet those primary human needs in other places of love, meaning and God and his purpose. And that's not that it's all bad. You should find a level of meaning in work or, you know, in sports. We have our kids in sports. I love it. It's great. You know, there's a level of purpose. But that doesn't carry the day, you know. So we, we, we go and find our, our desires become disordered because we're trying to find our deepest meaning in places that cannot fulfill. And then what happens, because we've got chaos in the human spirit, then the human body experiences chaos. The human body often breaks down. In fact, one research study done by researchers at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and Harvard Medical School said that after a study, they found that up to 80% of illnesses 
that people go to see the doctor, general doc for, have a stress-related component to them. Now, again, I'm not the medical expert. You can ask people here. But that's some studies I've found is that, man, up to 80% of things going on in our body where our body begins to break down have a stress-related component because of just the brokenness of our world. So that you combine that with a family of origin stuff, and we, we, got, we all got like something screwed up in our family, some good things about our families, but we all come from, you know, we're all kind of weird, right, in our families. And man, so we often live with a constant need for acceptance and value and control, and guess what, that, that's, that's tiring, because sin entered the human experience, it's tiring. And so that, I know in a place like that, and in, in, in like this, some of us, we're tired from expectations of family members. We're tired from comparison in our mind, in our heart. We're tired uh, from the constant, incessant need to feel like we need to be more successful, we need to be doing more. We're tired from our, our terrible body image that we have, our view of ourselves. We're tired of not knowing how to be vulnerable with other people and receive the love and compassion we, le- we need. We're tired of feeling out of control in a world that seems to be always changing. And I want to remind us again the good news. In the midst of that, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to those who are spiritually right poor. That's what he's talking about. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. This isn't just good theology. This can be your experience. He sent me to proclaim uh, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Y'all, if I get excited about this message, it's because it's changed my life, and I believe it. So, come on, let's go. Okay. So, you know, I want to acknowledge that in, in the Christian world, when we hear good news, what we often think is, Jesus died to forgive my sins. Now, that's good news. That's that's. Part of the good news. <clears throat> but if we think that is the entirety of the good news, we've been sold way short. What happens is, I saw a bumper sticker a while ago that said, you know, I'm just a forgiven sinner. You know, so what that tells me is, I'm a Christian, but God's not powerful enough to transform my driving, so I still might be a jerk. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So, now listen, we're all in process, but, but we often kind of just believe, oh, we're just forgiven sinners. We're just, you know, we got forgiven when we prayed a prayer, and then it'll be great when we get to heaven one day, but until then, we're just going to read the Bible and try really hard to not be jerks on the road or to anyone else, right? And, and so the result of that, if we believe that is the entirety of the good news, is we often go to church week in, week out, we read the Bible, and think, I'm forgiven, but I'm walking around with the same narrative lies I'm believing about myself and God. I'm walking around with the same family of origin issues that I grew up with since I was a kid. I walk around with the same unchanged emotions, because we don't talk about emotions in church oftentimes. I walk around with the same shame, because I'm putting on a church face every week, right? And then our shame even is and then we feel like we suck. I'm forgiven. I ought to not be struggling with sin. So then we try harder, and then we fail, and then we feel like we suck, right? Um, So listen, forgiveness is good news, but that's only a fraction of the good news. It's it's like this. It's like we've been living oftentimes 
spiritually in poverty with a, with a, a, a stack of unchecked, uh, uncashed checks that we don't even know about. And we're like, God, you know, I need a little something more. And there's this huge stack of uncashed checks. And God's like, hey, it's all in there. I gave it to you all. You just need to learn to walk in it, right? Just go cash it in. Go open these promises instead of just doing it to get it done in the Bible study. Believe it. Live it. Apply it, right? It's all in here. God is good. And so what Jesus is doing in this Luke 4 passage, he's systematically going through the effects of sin and saying, I have the power over the effects of sin and can restore every aspect of your life. There's no effect of sin, not just that God can't forgive, there's no effect of sin in your life that Jesus can't heal and restore. It is good. Thank you. It's great news. That's why we worship. And so that word we talk about saved, Jesus saved me. Again, we often think I'm categorically a Christian because I'm forgiven, right? But let me help us understand that word saved, the Greek is sozo. That word literally means to rescue, to liberate, to keep from harm, to heal, and to preserve. Man, we often have a theology of forgiveness of sins, but we don't experience that in our day-to-day life as Christians a lot of times. I think it's because we don't believe it. We, we, we think we got sold the base model car. Well, we got the premium package with Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? And that's not selfish to think that or want that. I want to walk in freedom so that I can glorify God and bless others. My portion is not just to be beat down as a Christian by my own mess the rest of my life. I want to walk in freedom. And I think you do too. Doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Doesn't mean it's not going to be a struggle. Doesn't mean we're not going to be weak. That's for sure. But so, how does this salvation play out? Theologically, we see this in Scripture. We've been saved. Now, track with me. This is kind of a big theological concept. We've been saved. We're being saved. And we will be saved. All right? We've been saved in Christ when you receive Christ in your life. We're being saved in an ongoing, we're experiencing more of that sozo, more of that restoration, more of that healing, and we're experiencing, um, we will experience when, when we meet Jesus face to face, anything that is left undone, we will be completely healed. We will be completely free. Anything we didn't see taking care of this in life. So let me start by saying, what happened when you got saved? Man, I'm about to give you a stack of, of just checks spiritually that I want you to go cash. And I just get excited because it's just so good. Okay, let me just give you a list of some things that happened. This is like one of like a hundred things that happened, or like five, or I mean like six or seven, like a hundred things. You got cleansed and purified. Now you might think that you suck. You might think that you are dirty. And it might be because some terrible things have been done to you, and I'm so sorry. But when you got saved, you are washed clean by the work of Jesus. That's good news. When you got saved, you got reconnected to God, not because you tried harder or prayed a lot or because you went to church. That separates this from any other religion. Most other religions are works-based or, or, or ignore the problem of sin, but Jesus took care of the problem of sin so that we could come and be reconnected with God, not based on our performance, but based on his grace. We get reconnected to God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We got new value. 
Again, this is different from any other religion. You got adopted as a son or daughter when you got saved to the most high king of kings. That's good news. So if you are got low self-esteem, I'm not trying to belittle that, but what I'm saying is you're, you're a child of living God. I want to remind you that today. And so we get adopted into God's family. That's different than any other thing out there. That's different from any other self-help. You got a new inheritance. You have an eternal purpose, an eternal destiny, right? You've got new power. No other religion says that you're separated from God and all of a sudden God comes to live inside of you. That's amazing. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of you. How many of you believe that? We would live differently, or I would live differently if I believed that on a day-to-day basis. And we got a new identity. Now, I got, a little, I got some resources back there that I'm going to go through throughout the sermon. I sat in this for years and still sit in this. This is just a list of my identity in Christ. I'm God's child. I'm Christ's friend. I've been justified. I'm a member of his body. I'm a saint. I've been adopted as God's child. I'm free forever from condemnation. I'm the salt and light of the earth. I'm chosen. I'm a personal witness of Christ. I'm God's temple. I'm a minister of reconciliation. And this is good, right? This is, this is, this is good. This would be helpful for many of us when Tuesday afternoon comes and job's hard and we feel like we suck, right? Like this is, so this is available in the back. And man, this is a daily washing of God's word that we often need. <clears throat> so, again, 2 Corinthians 5 says, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new is coming. You've got a new operating system. This isn't you're forgiven of sin and then try hard to be a good Christian and then feel bad when you're not. You know, this is, you got a whole new way of living, a whole new tool set. You got God in you, you got God's word, you got, it's amazing. All right. In a relation to sin, We've been set free and now have the power to overcome. Jesus said this, he who the Son sets free is what? Free That's good. Now, you, you might think, why don't I feel that, right? Because so often we're used to living in the old way, so we struggle to kind of, it's like, it's like we, got, we got the new inheritance but our mind and our emotions are still living in spiritual poverty, right? And so, so there's, there's often a, oh, we got to learn to walk in what we got. It's, it's like if some of you guys have been to a circus and you've seen the elephants out in the parking lot, right? And it's amazing. Those elephants, they, they don't move. they got this little tiny chain on their ankle, and they're out there just standing still. It's kind of scary. I'm like, this thing could just take me out. Now, the interesting things of the elephants is they have been trained since they were little, because they were circus elephants, that if you feel this little thing around your ankle, you can't move. You're stuck. And the interesting thing, elephants could just often just, just break that thing. They've got the power within them to break out of that chain and go cause a stampede at the circus, right? Uh, so I, I think you're getting what I'm saying, and oftentimes, if they actually take an elephant out of that chain, they'll still stand there, because they've been trained to live in captivity instead of being in freedom. Y'all get what I'm saying? He who the Son sets free is If Christ has set me free, then I'm free indeed. That chain is no longer around your ankle. But we often have spent so many years in captivity, we don't know how to necessarily walk that out. 
So then we go through a process of learning to walk in what we already have as Christians. We're becoming saved. We've been saved. We're becoming saved. Now that happens in Scripture in many ways. Um, uh, One of the ways is, is actual spiritual deliverance. Jesus casts out demons, right? Now I think there's a couple ditches out there where it's like one ditch is we don't believe spiritual warfare is real. The other ditch is every problem in my life is spiritual warfare and there's a demon under every bush, right? Now, like, both are weird, right? Or not off, not on. So, but a, a better understanding is that, man, we consistently have, we live in a spiritual world that influences our thoughts. So this week, I know that I'm preaching on this week because I had a weird week. Anytime I speak on anything in regards to spiritual warfare or people walking in freedom, I experience spiritual warfare. Why am I so mad at people this week? You know, like, what is going on? Okay, I think there's something spiritual because I wanted to hit someone this week. You know, I didn't. <clears throat> so, you know, if I did, that's another conversation. Someone else should be preaching. Uh, I had to, like, keep repenting and stay really low this week because there was spiritual warfare going on. So, man, I, w- there is a place to just pray the blood of Jesus and, and command things to leave our lives. I've seen some people set free instantaneously because there's a spiritual component oftentimes. <clears throat> oftentimes, um, so physical healing. Now, we'll ultimately be healed when we see Jesus face to face, but God's kingdom can invade the earth and bring healing to your body today. And we can make some space at the end of the service. If you need healing, physical healing, we want to pray. Now, I'm confident that when I see Jesus face to face, it's going to be perfect, but... <clears throat> We want to contend for it here and now because that's available to us as Christians. That's included in the good news of Jesus. When it says, by your stripes you're healed, that was referred again to, uh, I believe in Matthew 8. That's, that's, that was, that's included as part of the thing that that's available to us, right? Um, part of, then, how this works out is freedom in our mind, so what happens is, if you think of kind of a warfare uh, out there, we get stuck, right, if you're thinking like the war thing, we get, what, what they try and do in war is they try and build a stronghold in the enemy's territory, and then if they have a stronghold in the enemy's territory, then they can launch attacks from there. You know what I'm saying? You know what a stronghold is? It's got walls to keep others out and to keep uh, protection in, and so... Um, so here's what the enemy does. He comes and puts strongholds in your mind. So often our, we've got anxiety, we've got all kinds of stuff, and all kinds of self-hatred because we've got a stronghold of a lie in our mind. And so what Jesus does, he says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free, right? And so uh, he comes and speaks truth, and his truth has a power to destroy the power of strongholds. That is the power to destroy the power of self-hatred. as the power to destroy the power of, of insecurity because we're often living in lies we believe about ourselves and God. Y'all tracking with me? Okay, a little meaty today. All right. So I'm, I was reminded of, um, you know, how does this work out? I was reminded of a story um, 
when my wife and I were helping lead college ministry back in Texas. A sweet friend of ours came. She was a college student, and she grew up um, on the East Coast in a very high, like, academic achieving, low to no emotion family, high performance, um, not a lot of relationship. And then her dad died when she was in middle school. And so, uh, man, I just remember uh, getting so many phone calls hey, I'm on campus, I'm having a panic attack, I can barely talk, I need someone to come talk. And so I would come, my wife and I would walk with her, and we, it began a long journey of us walking with her and just saying, um, kind of hearing her out, letting her get in touch with her emotions and what's happening and helping her have words for that. And then coming back, what is the lie you're believing behind this? Again and again and again. And we did this in community. She was in a life group. And she was also getting some help here and there from some professionally trained people. And so we came back again and again to the simple truths of the good news of Jesus and identity in this. And she learned to speak it over herself again and again and again. And she was in community receiving the love of God. And she was getting help from a professional here and there. And she was getting, it began a long journey over the course of a number of years, her starting to get completely free from panic attacks. She texts us consistently and is like, just so you know, my life's been totally transformed. But it was a journey over a few years and it's still an ongoing journey of renewing the mind and truth, receiving the comfort of the Holy Spirit in the pain and acknowledging that, man, this really hurt. And I've just buzzed over this pain and didn't acknowledge this pain of my dad's death. And I just kept going with life because I had to hold it together because that's what I learned to perform growing up in my family. Da, da, da. And so, hey, this is painful. Let's sit in that. Let's grieve that. Let's let God comfort us. Let's let the truth renew our mind. And we sat time after time, hours after hours off with her. Uh, and, and like I said, she also walked with a couple of professionals along the way. And God has brought restoration to her life. I could share story after story of, of walking with guys who struggle with sexual addiction, who've gotten free, and oftentimes as guys, um, we don't do the emotional thing, or some cultures, we don't do the emotional thing, right? And so, um, man, so often walking with guys is saying, man, here's the struggle, but what's really going on inside of you? It's not about the porn. It's not about the whatever. It's what's going on in your emotions. What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your heart? What's the lie you're believing behind that, right? Um, so for time's sake, I'm not going to keep going into stories, but I want to say God wants to bring healing and restoration and that it is possible in Christ. Of course, we will be saved. I don't have time to go into the theology. It's going to be good when we see Jesus face to face. This is the worst it's going to get in this world if we know Jesus. But how do we walk into that in, in this life? Just a couple really quick things. It's just practical, and then we're going to take time to respond. How do we begin to walk into the restoration that Jesus has for us and help others do the same? Because, y'all, we're all deputized to bring this to other people. <clears throat> Number one, we need to own what's going on with us. We need to name it and own it, what's going on in our life. We, we live in a fast-paced world where we... I happen to have a Band-Aid in my pocket, uh, being a parent. I just got one floating around. So I put it on because this is what we often do with hurts and pains and anxieties. We just go past it. We put a Band-Aid on it, and we, we just numb it out with technology. We numb it out with whatever deals going on in our life. And guess what? We don't like to take Band-Aid off because it's painful if you're hairy like me. It's painful, right? But you got to rip it off. And we often don't like to see the wound under there. There's no wound. There's a fake. But <clears throat> we don't like to see what's under there. 
and we're just used to sticking Band-Aids, right, on it. But it means owning, and we're not good as Christians because we think we need to have it together, owning, hey, I struggle with anxiety. Hey, I struggle with self-hatred. Hey, I've got a sin struggle I haven't been able to shake. Hey, I struggle with mental health issues. Hey, I struggle with emotional health issues. I just want to say, if you're struggling, welcome to the club. It's okay to be imperfect in this church. In fact, we don't allow perfect people because there's none. So let's be real because I don't have time and you don't have time to sit around and pretend like we don't have struggles, right? Um, so own what's going on with you. Number two, begin a journey of self-awareness. Begin a journey of self. We're often in the Christian life, we're, we're aware of God and we're aware of the things we should be doing for God, but <clears throat> begin a journey of self-awareness, right? We can't love our neighbor if we don't love ourselves. Uh, and so <clears throat> um, remember uh, that a couple sermons years ago, those trees, if you want to put that up. Right? Well, often we, we try and fix the actions of sin and anxiety, but we don't understand that not only does good fruit have roots, but bad fruit has roots. If we got bad fruit in our life that we want to replace, we need to understand what's going on under the surface to be able to get down to it. Y'all tracking? But we often specialize Christians on just saying, well, just read the Bible, you know, and just kind of try harder, right? But God, the good news isn't just try harder. The good news is God wants to go to the why and heal that and set you free in the root system. All right? So began a journey of self-awareness. For me, that meant learning to talk about emotions. We didn't do that by family growing up. Emotions? What are those? Vulnerability? What is that? Um, so this is a great book, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. If you want to go on a journey of learning to um, become free and healthy. It's a great book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. This is also a great book, Neil Anderson, Victory Over the Darkness. Uh, this is a, a good one. It breaks down a longer version of some of the stuff I'm talking to you about and how to walk in that. Also, we'll give this one to you for free, wholehearted. Uh, some of our friends, and Antioch Waco wrote this. It goes, how do you forgive heart wounds? How do you deal with parent uh, father wounds? Freedom from lies. How do you hear God's voice? How do you tend to your heart? How do you deal with self-hatred and shame? How do you deal with an orphan spirit? That's good right there, right? So you got a few copies back there if they're not already taken. Uh, if not, I'm trying to access. And this is a great resource, by the way, Tending Your Heart. We've got a bunch of copies back there. You can have this. It's basically how to, when something comes up in your heart, how do you go to God with it and replace the lie with truth and receive the comfort of God. And so beginning a journey of self-awareness. Thirdly, bring it to Jesus and Jesus' community. Who were the people in the Gospels that, that got transformed by Jesus? It wasn't the religious churchy folk. It was the people that, that said, Jesus, I'm blind. <laughs> and then the churchy folk are like, shut up. Like, we're trying to do church. You know, we got to be religious right now. Like, we got to put on a face. They literally, they told him to stop yelling. They just said all the louder. They cried out, Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, bring that person to me. That's the person I want, the one that's desperate, the one that's hungry. That's the person in God's kingdom that experiences breakthrough and freedom is the ones that are desperate enough to press through to Jesus and drop the religious mass. All right. It's exciting. Uh, and run the community. You know, the effect of the fall was it got disconnected from one another. We put on those masks. You know what I love? My wife and I are, are leading a life group. You know what I, I 
I look forward to life group every week. I can't say I've always had that experience. Um, because this life group is real about what's going on in their life, and they're, they're willing to say, hey, I'm hungry enough to be vulnerable and get real about stuff. I'm not here to, to play. And guess what? People are getting impacted. People are getting freedom and healing, and good stuff is happening because people are coming and bringing their whole selves to life group. We all need a place we can fall apart, and we all need a place that we can build others up. And if life group is just one of the two of those, just building up, or just, you know, like, we, we need a place where we can do both of this. And so at church... You know, we got life groups, and we actually need more life groups. If you're interested in leading a life group, come talk to us. Let us know. Uh, those are great places to find community. We have a mental health group called Grace Group that meets on Thursday night. It's a great place. If, if It's just a support group that, that goes a little more in-depth to give you tools and a worldview to help navigate the complexities of mental health. And so um, that's not unbiblical. It very much goes hand-in-hand with scriptures. It's just biblical tools. Uh, and so we have that on Thursdays. It's a great kind of supplement. And then we got great resources that we can refer people to all day long outside Antioch, Fullerton of professionals as well. And lastly, give it away to others. i got to wrap this thing up. But... Um, <clears throat> We, uh, we, we, we don't wait to, to be this, to bring healing and breakthrough until we got to figure it out because we'd never do that. But rather, a more helpful understanding is that we're, we're like wounded healers. Not that we, Jesus heals, but out of our own brokenness and being in process is actually the authority we have to bring it to others. So man, I just want to encourage you, <clears throat> wherever you are battling in your life and beginning to learn a little bit of victory, that's where you're going to have authority to bring others through. And so every single one of you have a story that's forming right now, and you're midway through it, and you've got some wins, and you've got some losses, but you better believe that you have some unique anointings on your life, not because of the great parts of your life, but because of the pain of your life, to bring others into healing and victory and freedom. That excites me. All across some of you, you can be specialists in some areas that I'm not in, because you have a story that's different than mine. We need the whole body to minister to the whole world. All right. <clears throat> Here's what I want to invite you to respond. We're going to stand to respond um, <clears throat> and get the, the team. And <clears throat> we're just going to take some time and, and do what I talked about at the end and just say, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it to Jesus. <clears throat> um. Some of us today, maybe you need to meet Jesus for the first time. You don't have a relationship with God. You're, you're not certain where you stand with God. And today's a day, I don't care what sin you've done or how unchristian you feel like you are or how unchurched you feel like you are. Jesus came to die for the sin of the world so that you and I could be forgiven and reconciled with God. And that's not by you being a good person. It's by him doing good things for you. And so if you need to have a relationship with Jesus today and to start over, that starts by saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior, and I need to be set free, and I need to be forgiven. And you can call upon the name of Jesus today and start a relationship with God right now. <clears throat> For the rest of us, um, I just want to get before the Lord and get real. Some of us are going to get ministered to, and some of us are going to minister to others. Um, um, and so we're going to open up this front space. Do you just need to bring something to Jesus? Come on up. You can do it in your chair too, but just 
I think there's, there's something when we come up and put a, a line in the sand and say, Jesus, I'm here. We'll have people up here ministering to people up here as well. And so if you need to bring something to Jesus, go for it. So I'm going to pray. I'm also going to share just a couple of things with our team felt. Jesus, I thank you that um, you are the God who sets the captives free. And thank you that we don't just need to go through the church motions here, but we can leave different than we came. So we take the band-aids off and say, Jesus, we need you. Um, just sensed praying that there's maybe a few people here who um, you live with a constant thought of, uh, I'm failing. I'm failing God. I'm failing in life. I'm falling behind. That God wants to minister to you today and, and bring freedom. Some of us, um, we didn't receive affection from our Father. We didn't receive love from our Father. We received maybe performance or tasks. God wants to minister the heart, the Father heart of God to some of you today. Some of us, um, we experienced abuse somewhere in our childhood. I just want to say that's really painful. That That's a journey that will take time, but I think God wanted to maybe highlight if there's any of you out there that need to begin that journey today. You've been shoving that down or maybe not accepting or maybe it was a family member and you just, I don't want to bring that up because it'll harm the family. And God wants to minister to you. If you've experienced abuse as a child, God wants to minister to you today and we would love to walk with you coming out of here and help you on your journey of, of wholeness and freedom. <clears throat> Lastly, just some people struggling with self-hatred. God wants to minister to you today as well. Um, so I just want to invite you, if you need to bring something to Jesus, come on to the front. We're going to take a little time and worship and minister one to another. And uh, the